You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Jack Miller. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM and online at rowanradio.com. Channel 2, welcome everyone to this Wednesday edition of Offsides. I'm your host, as Lee Kirshner said, your WGLS Sports Director, Jack Miller, and we have a lot of stuff to talk about, guys. But again, I'm Jack Miller, joined alongside Justin Locke, Aiden Doc, and Sam Prince. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about since we have uh, pretty much wild card stuff going on. And uh, we also just have to uh, got talk about some NFL as well, and then also dive into the world of fantasy football. Now, guys. It's been a uh, pretty wild ride for the wild card, but um, uh, Justin, I'll start with you. I mean, there was a lot of crazy games. Uh, A lot of the percentages started off with the Blue Jays as well as the Rays taking game one and also the Brewers taking game one as well. But the three teams that they faced, the Rangers, Twins, and the D-backs, they all came away with victories. Yeah, it shows you. I mean, again, it's not the the teams, the higher seed, most – Sometimes just don't win the, the, that initial first game, and uh, the Rangers are playing right now as well, and I they uh, have a good healthy lead in that one, so they can close the door uh, today. And on the Rays again had the uh, lowest, I think it was lowest attendance since 1919 in a playoff game. Yeah, it was pretty bad their attendance, but uh, it just looking at the Rays. I mean, currently. They're not even doing too well against the Rangers in Game Two. They're not even having a fighting chance right now. They're down seven to zero on the bottom of the seventh. Uh, Doc, I want to turn to you. Uh, the conference studio has a little bit of an echo. I'm not quite sure if we can get this going, but Doc, if we can, um, with with you, just looking at the Rays, they're not doing too well against the Rangers. They haven't scored. They've scored like one run. Uh, actually, we're gonna bring you guys in here. There's too bad of an echo in here, so we'll put you on the second mic. But Locke, I'll turn this actually back to you. Um, just looking at the Rays, they haven't been able to score in pretty much two straight wild cards. And so my thing is, is with with the Rays, this, this is going to be another pity banner that they're going to put up at Tropicana Field. Yeah, I mean, the Rays, obviously, a couple of years ago, had a, a chance to get do some damage in the, in the World Series. They just they pulled Snell last second, and we know what happened in that result. But obviously, the last two, three years have been trying to get back to that point. And after, a, again, historic start, they were 13-0, 14-0 start of the year. And then now you're going to most likely, unless they pull off a great uh, comeback in today's game, the season's going to be cut short, and it's, uh, it's a sad reality. All right, we're going to do some quick seat maneuvers here in the studio because we have an issue in the conference studio. So, Justin, how about you scoot to my left, Doc and Sam. I guess you'll share the mic to my right. But we pretty much have the whole crew kind of cramming into uh, one little studio here in the production studio because – there's for some reason an echo in the conference studio, but but the Rays they're currently down seven to zero. Just looking at that whole game and how that's going currently, currently here at 5:04 p.m. Uh, the Rays scored four in that top of the fourth inning. Then we're able to score one, uh, and also they scored uh, two in the sixth inning, making it seven to zero. 
The Rays, it's they only have five hits. Both teams with an error, but the Rangers, they have 12 hits. And it's been a, a pretty interesting ride, Doc, just looking at this whole mm-hmm. Rays series. Um, because as I was talking to Locke, I don't know if you were hearing it as we come in, but they haven't been able to score throughout this from last year and this year in the playoffs. Once they hit that playoffs, they really can't get something going without Randy Arozarena really stepping up as we saw in the 2020 playoffs. Yeah, I mean... If you looked at this team in I probably around late July, I think every they had every starting hitter on pace for twenty homers. Yeah. And I don't I don't think they reached there, uh, with all their starters. And then they dealt obviously McClanahan went down and then the whole Wander Franco situation happened. And I think you're kinda just seeing it, it's tough when you lose your ace and your franchise player and you could say both of them <laughs> yeah. are franchise players that you know, it's not going to be pretty, especially in a three-game series, because the Rangers. I mean, a lot of a lot of people thought that the Rangers are, you know, World Series contender, and and everyone thought right that. now. I mean, they're looking. If Jordan Montgomery is going to pitch like he did yesterday, but obviously the offense. I've never been high on the Rays. I think it's mainly because why well, I was high on the Rays, I should say, because I thought they would win the division. But it's weird because you look at that lineup and you're like, why does this? Why should this blow me away? Yeah, you're almost like, am I just not analytically ahead? of where maybe why it's so dominant and, and it was looking that way up until about august hit and the offense was going down a little bit and obviously their pitching went down and that's just kind of where we stand right now with the rangers 95 percent chance of uh sending them home not in not in just not in three like two they, they didn't score a run yet like you mentioned exactly and just going to what the what <laughs> they just scored a run? Oh, they did. They, they did, just scored they a run. They did just score a run, and as now it's seven to one in the bottom of the seven. The two outs to go. Oh, yikes! So, yeah, the Rays. I mean, the Rays are currently playing as we speak, and also another team that is currently playing as we speak is the Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins. Now, uh, Locke, they pretty much the Blue Jays lost yesterday. Royce Lewis got the things, uh, got games. The the game started yesterday with a two run homer in the first inning, and then they were able to pull out a win three to one and. Pretty much the Twins, they've been uh, they've been really good. Um, just looking at them as a whole, I mean, hitting has been a struggle, but the pitching really stepped up with Pablo Lopez, and the Twins were able to pull away with Game One. I mean, Lopez, I mean, five and two thirds last night. Uh, he looked again dialed in. He did give up one run, run, but that was all uh, the Blue Jays scored. I mean, again, good play by uh, Doc's boy Correa. It got uh, Bichette coming to the plate. And that prevented a run, and obviously they got a two-run uh, lead, and they held on to it, and they did a good yeah. job. I mean, the Royce Lewis, I mean, he just steps up a big spot. I mean, Twins hadn't won a uh, playoff game, I think it was, for almost 20 years? 2004. 2004, so 19 well, years. The yeah. last time the Twins won a playoff game, their manager was a player in the MLB. Wow. I believe he was either in the Florida Marlins or the Chicago White Sox. And the Red Sox have not won a World Series yet. The curse of the great Barabino yeah. was still a thing, and I wish that was still a thing, personally. <laughs> yeah, because you're a Yankees fan. But uh, I remember I, th- I remember one of the things they mentioned was, like, what, you remember that movie Shark Tale that we all grew up with? Mm-hmm. That, yes. that like, just released in 04, apparently. So uh, <laughs> it went back when the Twins won a playoff game. But it's currently top of the second, and um, Doc, it's 0-0. Not what you predicted. Um, because you told me uh, 30 minutes before this that... Correa was going to hit a uh, solo shot in the first inning or a two-run homer in the first right, inning well, because it's uh, it's time it's, for Correa because it's well, game two. All right. <laughs> I have an excuse. He's hitting six, okay? <laughs> he, he didn't come up. It's not his fault that 
I think Royce Lewis actually ground into a double play to end the first inning. So it's not his fault. <laughs> but the fault. second inning, we'll still be live here. Yeah, and, uh, he's got a second inning chance. We'll have a live reaction to the Correa yeah. home run. So it's a solo shot, you're saying? Solo shot. He's just hitting a home run. It's up, to, it's up to his teammates if he wants to get on base so or not. If, if you had a pick, if it's a solo shot, two-run shot, three-run shot, or even a grand slam, what do you take? It's not going to be a grand slam because yeah. he's batting third in the uh, second inning. So it's a, he'll make maximum it, it's three-run home run. He'll make it two-nothing. Make, make it two? Okay. So okay. Who's it on base? You got Max Kepler whoever, whoever, or Kirilov. Whoever whoever wants to get on base, <laughs> get on base. I think it, if anyone, it's going to be Kirilov. Yeah, but sure. but Correa batting six, it's definitely an interesting move for the Twins. Just looking at it because he's coming back from injury, though. I think that might be part of the reason. It's also but not it's, having a But it's also either. looking like what the Phillies did with Nick Castellanos. I mean, obviously they're different situations. Castellanos wasn't injured. Game but. saving play too. Well, not really game saving, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Castellanos made a nice play in the field. Correa yeah. did. Uh, yeah, so that was a heck of a play. Yeah. It's it's weird. Cause it is. It's it's a great hustle play. The thing is, is like, what was what was the third baseman doing though? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah for like real. like not. I get that you missed it. Not I'm okay with that. Like being yeah, Polanco aggressive. shouldn't have done. But that. the fact that you just like sat there after was like kind of crazy. Yeah, he just kind of was like, uh, like you know, like you just kind of standing there, just like, what do I do now? I mean, the ball went by me. Do yeah. I go after it? But no, Correa was booking for it, and got Bichette out at home, which was great for them. And so far, I mean, Sonny Gray. Through two innings, he hasn't given up any runs, uh, but he has given up three hits and a walk and struck out two. He's not having a a terrible time because he hasn't given up any runs yet. I mean, you can't say he's not like you have to say he's had a good day so far. But three hits is a little scary in the first two innings. So um, hopefully he can clean that up once he gets into the middle innings. Um, but I was talking about it with uh, with Locke to start off with it. I'll I'll switch things over to you, Sam. I mean, the top teams that were projected to win game the just the series. Did not win game one. Three of the teams. You had the Brewers. You also had the Blue Jays as well as the Rays. Those three teams lost game one. And 83% of the time in the wildcard series, the team that wins game one wins the series. Yeah, Jack, you're right. And it's, and both teams right now, you know, as the Rangers are winning, but the Blue Jays and the Twins are tied. You know, personally, I had the, I had the favorites winning. Really, I don't want to be this guy who only votes for favorites, but... You know, if you look back at that that Brewers game last night, the Brewers went down 6-3. You thought the Brewers were going to win. They got off to a hot start, but they just couldn't finish it off. But, you know, I'm going to make a claim here. And I know this may be the most far-out-fetched claim. I think one of the things I most ever made on offsides. There will be no Game 3 wild cards. Every team will sweep tonight. Wow. Okay. That's a definitely interesting take. Justin, what do you think about that? I think it's... It's as you said, 83% of the time, it's uh, whoever wins game one usually wins the series. I mean, that doesn't mean they won't go to three, but mm-hmm. last year I think only one series went to three. Uh, it was only Mets and Padres that did. Yeah, last so year. I mean, and even that one, I mean, I mean the Mets I mean, were favored were in that just, series. So, like, if you look at the, t- I remember watching that series. The Mets were just outplayed by the Padres in every single aspect. Yeah, it yeah. was, and both the games that they won. Yeah, it was just every aspect they just kept getting dismantled by the Padres, and they went all the way to the NLCS and proved their point while they were one of the best teams in that 2022 season. Um, but, yeah, it's the same situation. Let's let's continue with this Brewers and Diamonds <clears throat> and this Diamondbacks conversation because the the Brewers started off hot, 3-0, three, three to zero, and then all of a sudden it turned 3-3 three to three as Burns gave up two back-to-back homers. One was a two-run shot by Corbin Carroll, and the other was a, a solo shot by uh, Cattell Marte. And then they pulled away in the ninth, as Devin Williams couldn't really do anything um, uh, when he was trying to just keep the lead at four to three. So, but the Diamondbacks, I'm not gonna lie, Doc, 
they were pretty, pretty lucky and got into really mm. good situations. I mean, you had that bases loaded, one out situation with Longoria, mm. went right to him, got the double play. What a play. And then they were also able to hit around Devin Williams and Corbin Burns, one of the two best pitchers, not even just for the Brewers, but debatably for the league. Yeah, I mean, they scored, they tied it 3 3 in two pitches, I believe. Which, yeah. Or maybe it was just three. I, I, it was a I short amount of pitches. Obviously, we're Phillies fans here. And. I was just watching the score bug in the top right most of the time in that game. But, no, indeed. Like, I saw that they had second, first and second immediately on Devin Williams. And you're like, wow. Like, yeah, exactly. And especially because if you give three nothing, uh, three nothing lead to uh, Corbin Burns, I don't know what the percentage on is, but you're probably very unlikely to win that game if you're down three. But – they they did it and I guess playoffs are a weird a weird time. I mean Corbin Carroll, it's kinda cool to see a rookie uh hit one in the playoff his first playoff game and Yeah, you'll you'll we'll see. I think I do think to what Sam said earlier about all games ending series ending tonight, I think that the Brewers win tonight and we see a game three in that series. But okay, I think that's the only go. one. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sam, what do you think? I, I agree with you. if one had to, I'm still gonna go with my take. I want if I I'm rooting for personally for the Brewers to win it all, but I saw a stat on Twitter. Uh, but you're talking about the Corbin Carroll game last night. Well, so, the Brewers wait, win it all. Let, let's 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 backtrack a little bit. Hold on. So you I, you want the Brewers to win the whole thing? I want the personally. That's just me. Okay. But I don't think they're gonna win. I don't think they're gonna. Oh. I, uh, okay. Okay. It's, it's who do a, you think? Who do you think's winning the whole thing? Because I don't think I know everyone's take on this. Astros. Astros. Okay, that's not. But this is this is this is the stat I saw. I, I figured you know I wanted to talk about this. Corbin Carroll hit a 444 foot home run off of Corbin Burns, and it's probably the first time in MLB history that a Corbin hit a home run off of Corbin. True. True. Yeah. I mean that's that's definitely something interesting that I kind of went over my head to be honest. But I want to stick on the topic of Corbin Burns for a second, Doc. Let's say or not Doc Lock. Let's say that. Um, Let's say Brewers, they lose the wild card series. It doesn't matter. Game two, game three, doesn't matter. Let's say Diamondbacks move on no matter what. Corbin Burns, where's he going? Because I don't think he's returning to Milwaukee. I mean, he had some contract talks with the Brewers, but nothing really happened. And Corbin Burns came out in spring training saying that he's not really liking Milwaukee and that pretty much for for him, it's not where he really wants to be in the future for himself. I, I think uh might be a boring answer. I think uh, the Dodgers will somehow find a way to get Corbin Burns. Man. <laughs> I, they, I mean, they get pretty much any top name in the market at every position. It just seems like, oh, the Dodgers are like, oh, we want a guy, and they're going to get him. Uh, Sam always uses it. You, you win a prize, you win a prize. It seems like the Dodgers just they win a new name every single offseason. So let's, let's switch this topic then real quick. So let's say Dodgers get – Corbin, I would say one of the top teams for Otani is also the Dodgers. Where oh. where would Otani go then? Let's switch that conversation. The Dodgers. <laughs> Still the Dodgers is crazy. Still the Dodgers. Is it? It's. I just don't know who he would really go because Dodgers they kind of seem like the main one. I actually think I'm at a point where I think he. My conspiracy is, and I guess you could put this on the record because if it happens, then I'm a genius. I think the Angels I'm trade. I think the Angels trade Mike Trout to clear up money to sign Otani long term. Then okay, then we're gonna continue this. Where does Trout go then? Because where would they trade him? Yankees to? or Phillies? The problem with with here's my problem with Trout. I think I mentioned this on 10th inning. The problem with Trout is I don't think he gives you any personal gain. There's mm-hmm. no point to 
trade for him if you're on the receiving end of Trout. Because what are you going to get out of him? 90 games? And what? When? Where are you going to go with that? I mean, if you're going to get 90 games out of somebody, it better be his best 90 games of his life. But it's I, I, I understand it's Mike Trout. But the problem is, is that he can't stay healthy. So what's the point of giving up so many guys in your minor league system? Like, let's say it's with the Yankees or even or even with the Phillies. Doesn't matter. They're going to have to give up so many of those young guys, no matter what team it is. They're going to have to give up so many of their prospects to pretty much give this value for Mike Trout. And it's going to hurt them. I don't think Trout gives you a gain on your team. That's the problem with Trout nowadays. It's There's no upside to receiving Trout. And the only upside is for the Angels that would receive all those prospects for Mike Trout. Yeah, no, I, I get your point. I do think that obviously the injuries are, are the concern. But I don't know. I think the upside could possibly be worth it in the sense that maybe it's the Angels that he's getting injured. Maybe their training staff is... I mean, it happened with those But guys. obviously that's a gamble you're taking is... You don't know. Are you betting on their training staff being a poor training staff? Because, I mean, I've seen that kind of stuff in football. You see, like, certain players be on a team, they'll get hurt every year, and they're like, oh, good luck with him, he's injury prone. And then he'll have three straight clean years of football, and you're like, is it is it, yeah. uh, is it a trainer-type, you know... Situation. Yeah, situation there, and... Again, but like you said, I don't know what a package would look like because I think a trout package you would be like, that's "Wow, that's much. that's it for Mike Trout." Like to a casual fan, I mean, yeah. like, "Oh, that's it for Mike Trout." Like, yeah. But in re- in in long term perspective, it's yeah. like that's a pretty good deal. Like, who's a headline? Like, say the Phillies traded for him. Who's the headliner? Headliner is would probably is, is Johan Ross. No, it's my. Like, th- would it be it, that? It's not it, that he's low. It's going to be Painter or Abel. Yeah, that's that's the headline. I would and say then, Abel. And here's the thing: I would not be surprised if Marsh goes back. Wow, that would be. That, like, I'd feel like, bad legit, for him. Like, I'd actually really feel bad for him. Exactly, it's going to be a lot of these young guys. Then potentially one of the guys from the daycare for the Phillies, and it's going to be nothing that kind of Philadelphia wants to see. But at the same time, it's the value they have to give up for him. But, um, but let's uh, we're going to save the Phillies for when we come back from break. But um, just continuing on with this wild card series, let's let's get you guys a quick update of what's currently happening. It's now top of the third, still zero zero. Correo did have. His at bat doc, so he did not single. Say it was. Why, why do we like him, Jack? Why do we like him? I don't know because he gets on base. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so Correa, I mean, he did get a hit, but he didn't get one over the wall as Doc predicted. But it's still zero zero in the top of the third now. So Blue Jays up to bat. Rays game. It is top of the eighth now, seven to one still as the Rays are slowly trying to come back, but they got to make an answer quick. The Brewers they have a seven to eight start. Phillies at an 808 start just like last night. And so we're going to come we're going to go to break and when we come back here on offsides we're going to talk about the the Phillies and then what their future holds in the in the playoffs and then we're going to move on to some football talk what happened on Monday night football and then also Thursday night football stuff and then also mention our, our new little segment here every Wednesday waiver wire Wednesday. We'll be right back here on offsides roanradio.com channel 2. <laughs> If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. 
Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Grab a fistful of quarters and head on over to the 80s Arcade. Saturday mornings from 10 till noon on Rowan Radio. Come celebrate the decade of decadence with me, Lee Kirshner. Enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular hits. Oh, gnarly! It's a blast from the neon-colored past. It's the 80s Arcade, every Saturday morning starting at 10, right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, and also online at rowanradio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Offsides, RomeRadio.com, Channel 2, everything sports here on Offsides as we talk about here on this live podcast that we have every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm your Wednesday host, WGLS Sports Director, Jack Miller, and I'm joined along with three great guests of mine, Justin Locke, Aiden Dock, and the Sam Prince. We were just talking about some of the wild card matchups between the Rangers and Rays, the Blue Jays and Twins, as well as the Diamondbacks. And the Brewers talked about how all the underdogs uh, for yesterday's game, besides the Phillies, did win their matchup. And now we're going to move on, since we're from the Glassboro area, the Philadelphia Phillies. They were able to win 4-1 to one in yesterday's game and secure game one of the wild card. And we were talking about how 83% of the teams that win game one win the series. And Sam had a pretty good take, and I honestly kind of like it because I honestly borderline on the fence with him. That all these series are going to go uh, to just two games. Maybe one goes to game three. But that's how it was last year. And I think it might be kind of the same result as this year. But ups and downs for the Phillies. There wasn't really many downs for the Phillies. Besides the Phillies not being able to touch Lazardo's slider. I mean, they were able to get everyone in the lineup a hit. Wheeler and Lazardo looked really good. The only thing was is that Lazardo was just spamming sliders that the Phillies couldn't even touch. Specifically, the lefties could not touch. And the only other problem was Schwarber potentially being held uh, on that sacrifice fly attempt that got a lot of people questioning why was he held? What was the issue with this? But initial reactions. We'll start with you, Locke. Initial reaction of the Phillies game, that's a solid start. I mean, 4-1. to one, pretty solid and you had Craig Kimbrell getting the save and also that little intentional balk at the end to make sure that Bell wasn't stealing signs from Realmuto. They wanted Realmuto to put his actual signs down not the uh, Pitchcom uh, signs because of how noisy Citizens Bank Park gets so crowd really on Philadelphia's side of course since they're at Citizens Bank and pretty much the Phillies and the crowd just kind of roared through game one. Yeah I mean obviously Josh Bell had a great night against the Phillies last night but the Phillies uh uh, one thing I'd point out, I mean, third base coach uh, Dusty uh, Cowell, again, we talked about the shorter one. Uh, obviously, Cassiano's got sent on that one into center, and he got thrown out. But then he held up a stop sign for Bryce, and Bryce and went right through it. it. Yep. And Bryce was right on that one, obviously. He scored. So uh, two for – or maybe one for three in that spot with Dusty. I mean <laughs> – Again, it sometimes it's really hard to tell. And Schwarber, we know, is not the fastest guy on the on the ball that was could have been a sack fly to right. But again, it's it's situational hitting, and every guy in the lineup last night had a hit. Uh, yeah. When me and Doc were walking over to the RTN meeting, Bryce was the only one that didn't have a hit. Yeah, and exactly. He did pick one up, and 
Uh, Castellanos did a good job. Schwarber. I mean, everybody did their part last night. Trey Turner played a really good game. And it it gave me – again, I already knew or expected this team to win this series, but definitely more confident. Uh, Obviously, Lazardo did his job last night. I mean, again, he did give up a couple runs here and there, but he held them in the game for a while. Just besides Bell, it it was – again, they had seven hits to the Marlins. He had almost half, three of the seven. So it's just – it's a good thing for the Phillies. And, again, yeah, try to close the door tonight. I want to talk about Schwarber for a second on that sacrifice fly. I want to talk to you, talk to you about it, Doc, because Schwarber, obviously Locke said, not the fastest guy. Mm-hmm. But for the people that didn't watch the game last night, what happened was Solaire was trailing on a, foul, on a fly ball down the right field line. Solaire caught it and was able to get a quick throw, potentially to home. But the throw was wild. Honestly, mm-hmm. like the catcher, you saw him come up and pretty much was in between, like halfway in between the pitcher's mound and home plate to make the catch just so that he could hold Schwarber at third. But no matter what, let's say that throw goes through, that's going to touch the third baseline. I would say like on like a fourth of the way, to, like away from home plate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be a bad throw either way. Schwarber would have made it. So do you think that Dusty's going to have to get? A little better with these third base calls. I mean, the mm-hmm. thing is, is during the 2022 run, he waved JT home on that inside the park homer. Yeah. So he has he has some firepower in him, but on game one, he was kind of holding the brakes on everyone. Yeah, he was hesitant, and I, I think as a third base coach, you have to factor in a little bit of everything. And it's easy to say now it's kind of like the Monday morning quarterback type stuff. Yeah. But I. Obviously, immediately I said to Justin when we were watching, I was like, why did they not send Kyle Schwarber? So, to me, that was the mistake. And But I do get the devil's advocate side of Harper was up next. But at the same time, the devil's advocate to the devil's advocate is that Jesus Lazardo can easily strike out a lefty, lefty, lefty. Exactly. And then just like that, it would Harper being up wouldn't matter. And that's exactly what happened. And I think you just – you got to be aggressive there, force snow out somewhere too. to make a play. And and Schwarber, yeah, again, he's not the fastest, but he's also not the slowest. Like he mm-hmm. can he can move a little bit. I mean, he and, was quicker than Arise, who was running on a bum ankle. So. Yeah, and again, I my I think Nick Cassi, the Nick Cassiano's one where he got thrown out again, no outs that time. That time he sent him with no outs, but not the one with Schwarber. Maybe he was trying to make up for it, and he. he made a wrong read on both of them. But there's also something I saw that Nick Cassianos might have tripped around third. But, I, again, I didn't see any replay of it. It just came from someone that I uh, saw, I think, tweeted out. But And then the the Harper one just a funny one because I think we've all probably saw the picture of Dusty yeah. with his hands up. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw, but, like, the, someone uh, did, like, a mic'd up uh, of, like, Harper thing. Like, kind of like what John Boy Media does. Oh. With, and, and it was just him. It was, like, him going slow. And I think he was, like, just saying yes around the bases. Like, the whole time he was going around, he's like, yes, yes. And then he, I love when he throws the helmet out. Like, you just, yeah. you just got to lose the weight a little bit. on exactly. uh, Just to fly around. Times. But, yeah, it's just funny. Dusty, again. Luckily, it didn't come back to bite us, but the the it was scary, and it should have been seven one, uh, six one, seven one, whatever. Obviously, domino effect happened too as well. You take those outs off the board, maybe they even put it up even more. But at the same time, also big shout out to Zach Wheeler for that Man. game. He yeah. stellar performance. One is he the best pitcher since Roy Holiday for the Phillies? Probably. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I, mean, I love Cole Hamels, but I think Cole, Cole Hamels was, was a little bit. 
his prime might have been a little bit before. No, wait, hold on. We got to rewind because Cliff Lee had that shutout. That's season. true. So that's true. I, I wouldn't say it's that. tough though. But he, the fact that he's in that conversation is impressive. he's in the conversation. But I would say it's true because when we signed him, a lot of people laughed at us. Yeah, Mets fans, true. like even Phillies fans, mm-hmm. were like, "What are we doing here?" Exactly. So, but it, it turned out to be one of the best free agency. Top signs. five Maybe for Cy best. Young. I mean, he was pretty yeah. good. Top five for Cy Young is pretty nice. So. Um, I want to talk about the pitching matchup with you, Sam. I mean, with last night, you had Wheeler and Lazardo. Lazardo slider, untouchable. And then with Zach Wheeler, his fastball was untouchable. And tonight, it's a different, little bit different of a pitching matchup. You have Braxton Garrett going up against Aaron Nola. Just looking at Braxton Garrett's stats for those who don't know, uh, who's pitching for the Marlins tonight. Nine wins, seven losses, 3.66 ERA in 31 games played. No shutouts this season, but... He's given up 154 hits and 159 and two-thirds innings pitched, giving up 65 earned runs, 20 homers, and 29 walks. I mean, all th- he's had 30 starts. I mean, obviously, he's given up the most home runs he has all season, but he's had double the games played from last year to this year. Last year, he had 17 games, and he's at 31 this year. He had nine home runs given up last year, but this year he's given up 20. So a little bit of a... Uh, a typical, it's like the same thing. It's like rinse and repeat for Braxton Garrett from last year to this year. Garrett, Nola, how do you see this matchup going? I know you said this is pretty much going to be, or the Phillies are probably going to win it because you said every series that is up 1-0 is just going to win 2-0. So, obviously, you see the Phillies winning Game 2 at the bank. I, I do see the Phillies winning Game 2. I think they're going to win 3-1 to one tonight. I think that's going to be due into large part into a stellar performance into an Aaron Nola gem tonight. Noah last year didn't have the greatest of playoffs. He His ERA last year in the postseason was 4.91. But tonight, I'm expecting Nola to have the gem that, you know, we saw flashes of him throughout the season. In the beginning of the season, Noah d- didn't look like the greatest of pitcher. It looked like he really lost a step. But, okay, you know, but Noah, you know, he's a free agent this year. So this could be the last time for you Phillies fans to see him in a Philly uniform, you know. But this game could also determine what his contract looks like. Exactly. Not even potentially with the Phillies, but with another team. This so could if, be a $5 million boost so in his contract because of one game. A great game gives up, let's just say, three hits and a run and strikes it. out seven plus. I think you're looking like a, at a mega contract for him. Yeah, you're going to see a pretty large contract. He's, I mean, he's arguably top, probably like, top 30 at least with pitchers just oh, looking at everyone's yeah. face and stuff so easily top 30 you definitely got to give him what he's worth so but let's continue with nola because i want to continue this conversation um with with you lock because nola as we know from last year's playoff uh run that the phillies had the with nola the best nola that you can get is a full rested nola because last year he had signs of just putting stuff over the heart of the plate not even touching the zone in some at bats, and he, he, we all know that the best Nola is when he's fully rested. He's had over a full week off, and through the playoffs, sometimes it's only five games, and then he gets thrown in. Obviously, Rob Thompson knows now. All right, this is what we need to do with Nola's situation now because he needs to be fully rested in order to get that gem out of him. He is fully rested. How do you see him doing tonight? Because he has a full plus week off. I mean, hopefully, uh, for us Phillies fans, he uh, t- just has a great outing. Uh, I don't know about three hits or anything like that. I mean, it'd probably be six or seven. Pro- I would hopefully he gets into the sixth or seventh inning as well, and he can just kind of 
just not. Ma- I mean, if you can match Wheeler's performance from last night, be incredible. But oh, that's peak. I, I think it, again, off what we've seen this season, I think he'll probably give up a run or two, and like, the Phillies just have to respond. And we've seen the bats uh, when they're alive, they're they're hot. And you know, we saw that last year when the, when the hot, the Phillies bats are hot, it's it's really hard to stop us. And I, if we can match anything offensively that we did last night, it's going to be a good spot. But for Nola, it's getting the ERA. Essentially, last last year in the playoffs wasn't really great, and again, this is the wild card matchup. So hopefully, if there is any jitters tonight, and he can kind of try to get out the way, and if we can walk away with the win, even in not a great performance, that's what we're looking for. But we're just hopefully he plays, maybe six six and two thirds, throws maybe only a one earned run. That would be ideal. If it, if it's better than that, that's that's what we want. Exactly, and I want to just touch on this because the lineups just got released for the Philadelphia Phillies and the Miami Marlins game. And for the Phillies and pretty much the Miami Marlins, it's looking pretty much the exact same. Starting off with the Marlins, we have Luis Arise still playing after he saw him limping going down the first baseline um, in yesterday's game. So he's leading off for the Marlins. Jorge Soler, Josh Bell batting third. Jazz Chisholm cleaning it up. Jake Berger batting fifth. Brian De La Cruz, he's out in left batting sixth. Jesus Sanchez batting seventh, John Birdie eighth, and Jacob Stallings, the catcher, he's batting ninth. We did not see him last night. That's pretty much the only change for the Miami Marlins. Same thing for the Phils. Schwarber leading off, Trey Turner batting second, Alec Bohm in the three spot, Bryce Harper fourth, JT Romuto at the catcher's position. He'll be batting fifth, Nick Castellanos sixth, Bryson Stott seven, Christian Pache eighth, and Johan Rojas ninth. And I want to talk about Alec Bohm with you, Doc, because... I really, I really like him this season, and I've always liked him as a ball player throughout his mm-hmm. a little time here. Not little, but I'd say slight tenure here with Philadelphia. I want to say that man is probably one of the best players I've seen with runners on base, mm-hmm. and I really, I really want to push this out there because he will put any pitch that he sees that is hittable into the outfield, and will score that runner that is in scoring position at least over ninety feet, maybe even one hundred eighty if that mm-hmm. runner's at second. And Alec Bohm has been really a crucial part for the Phillies, not just this season, not just this playoff uh, series potentially, but in the past few seasons, even when the Phillies have struggled. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty critical of Bohm, uh, even dating back to obviously a lot of people were critical of him when he Fielding had that. Guys, yeah. yeah, but at the plate, honestly, I, that's where I was mostly critical. I think defense, I kind of had a feeling he would fix it a little bit, and he obviously has made strides. He made a good play last night that. I actually didn't realize because we were busy at the RTM meeting. He made a nice play on the he did on the run that scored, but that yeah. was a beautiful play. But Just back to the throwing <laughs> time. I mean, he's throwing yeah. from his butt. I mean, yeah. the problem is, is like he was visibly frustrated and. Yeah. The problem is, is you're just throwing from your butt. That's yeah, the only it's issue. Tough, so. but yeah, back to your runners in scoring position thing. Is I was a little worried about because I was like, yeah, he's doing it, and I'm happy about it, but I don't know if it's sustainable. But I said that in May, yeah. <laughs> and we're sitting here in on what is it, October 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 fourth, and it's been the same way. Maybe it is sustainable. Maybe he just I don't know what his numbers are with runners not on base, but they're he's better with runners on base and he's very good against lefties, which is why he's key in this series because obviously Lazardo for the Marlins Garrett last night, or Garrett, excuse me, tonight, uh, pitching. So he's going to be a big part. That's why they moved him up in that three hole. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's turned into a, a franchise player and he's obviously got to keep it up and look, man, 
all of a sudden he had 100 RBI and he had 20 home runs. That's what I said about him. I was like, if he can hit 20 home runs, I'd probably be more of a fan of him, and, and, and he did that. Yeah, and I want to talk about just keep, keep continuing with running in scoring position, um, Doc. The thing is, last night with the Phillies, is that their runners in scoring position situations couldn't really capitalize on those situations that yeah. they would want to. You know I mean, just looking at just game one for the Phillies, obviously the final score was 3-1, to one, or 4-1, to one, excuse me, and they're playing in game two at the same place, pretty much Citizens Bank Park, uh, against the um, Miami Marlins. If I could get my stats on my computer screen. But um, the thing is, it's just they weren't able to score with runners in scoring position, I mean, specifically in the first inning. Mm-hmm. You had Schwarber and Turner, no outs, both in scoring position, from runners at second and third. Yeah. And you, were able, you weren't able to capitalize that. I mean, you could have. Obviously, we saw Dusty hold up the, mm-hmm. the stop sign for Schwarber. They could have. But you have four runs on 11 hits. It's a little frightening. Yeah, even though you can blame Dusty for them not scoring on the first one, good teams score two there anyway. Yeah. Um, even if B- Schwarber gets sent, you still find a way to get Turner home from, say, he advanced a third on it. Right? Yeah. If Schwarber went home, you still find a way to score him, but they didn't either. And obviously, a lot of that, Lazardo, all credit goes out to him. He had That's a great slider, approach yep. to the Harper at bat. But again, yeah, it is a little concerning in the fact that. Bohm's hit was also with two outs uh, yesterday um, yeah, down the line. So, and now what made it, what, 2 nothing? I believe, that mm-hmm. hit? So, again, we were, say Bohm doesn't step up with two outs there, it's, it's one nothing because I believe uh, Pache actually, or excuse me, Rojas, Rojas yep. um, was on second with no outs too. Yeah, because so, he stole from first. Yeah, so the get him over, get him in, you know? But they, yeah. don't, they, they haven't really done that, especially – it's a little weird. I know their lefties are going to struggle against this Marlins team because they have a lot of lefties, not only obviously the starters, but out of the pen, they have many lefties. The only righty we saw last night was in that like ninth inning when uh, I believe eighth or ninth inning was the only righty, and that's kind of the only righty you're probably going to see all series. You might get an inning against a righty, but they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to find a way to dodge the strikeouts. Exactly. Um, that's and, be- and at least move runners over. Well, uh, I'm going to move on to the – elephant in the room we have sam prince here who is notorious for his giants fandom the new york football giants so we're gonna the switch new york things football giants yeah so we're gonna switch things over to the national football league because the new york football giants they played on monday night football and uh the uh aaron was previewing it here on offsides on monday but now the score has a final score and the giants lost at metlife stadium 24 to 3. The Seahawks uh, they beat the Giants at MetLife. Now they're 3 and 1. The New York Giants are now 1 and 3, and it's their second time this season they lost without a touchdown. And it's definitely a rough sight to see. And guys, they're the only team in a- they're one of two teams in the National Football League to not score. Actually, no, no, no. They are the there's just so many bad stats I can ramble off right now about this team. They are the only team in the National Football League to not score a touchdown in the first half. They are the, you know how long they've held a lead for, nineteen seconds. Wow. Yeah, and that was the final, the final minutes of the Arizona you game. You came back of a, of a one in three Arizona Cardinals team. Big deal. You should have absolutely dominated that game. There is no. Why are we celebrating? I mean, obviously you win, you're happy, but you should have dominated. That should be a win that you're happy you got the win. But there's so many things to fix, and when it just could get worse for Giants fans, it just got worse today. Who your your parent supposed to be franchise star right tackle Evan Neal spoke to the media today. What do you say? 
Well, you guys just tell me which 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 quote is worse. I'm still trying to de decide. Let's say it. Let's hear it. <laughs> he declared his critics to boo louder, blast fair weather fans as sheep. Wow. And then, among all his comments, why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of the sheep? The person that's commentating on his performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Wow. What's worse? All right, hold on, Sam, before you continue. Locke, what's your reaction to that? Because I don't think you've heard this before. Uh, it's completely uh, – uh, I don't even understand why. I mean, the the pick, obviously uh, – I mean, it was like the Giants picking him that high. I mean, it was already – people were talking about it, but now it's – I mean, his play has been lackluster. Yeah, I had to do it at the time. It was yeah, the right pick. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, what do, what do, continue your thought. I, I still think it – I mean, the comments are – I just again, some people don't like when when you're let's say you're not playing as well as, as you would like. I mean, you're not gonna go out there and say it's completely my bad or take accountability. He's kind of just saying, "Oh, well, these guys watching me on TV can't do my job." It's pretty much what he said. Yeah, wait, 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 so like, words. look, I can't go in the National Football League and play right tackle and be good. I'm very aware of that. My job is not going to become an NFL player. His job, you get drafted seventh overall in the 2022 NFL Draft yeah. to be a star franchise right tackle. And know what For he's four been? years. And know what he's been? A turnstile. Wow. Nah. I mean, Evan Neal, I mean, he has had a rough season. I mean, and let's let's talk about him because the offensive line is not doing too well. I mean, just looking at him, Doc, the Giants, they gave up 11 sacks to Daniel Jones, who is, to be fair, a running mm -hmm. quarterback. But still, 11 sacks, it's kind of wild. I mean, you don't see 11 sacks – not even from football players in their entire career, yeah. and the Seahawks were able to get 11 in one night. That's in, that's incredible. I mean, it's I was watching, obviously, and it was just a little ridiculous, man, because obviously I think everyone deserves blame. It's just who deserves how much portion of the blame. Is it coaching? I think coaching does come into the factor now. Um, it has to. I, mean, I don't think twice now. If you, you know your offensive line is going to struggle, you set up for that. I mean, look at what the Rams do. The Rams bring in their receivers to the slot, jam the DNs so that their tackles have a better chance at not getting beat on the outside. And stuff like that, you bring in tight ends. You you just make sure Daniel Jones can at least sit back there for a couple seconds. And I've already done his notes for the Eagles-Rams game. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what the, that's why look, Sean McVay loves the – Sean McVay loves the wider series that can block. That's why Cooper Cup's like pretty valuable. You see him in the run game putting blocks on linebackers, and I think it's going to be something that they're going to have to look into. Because man, was it ugly! I mean, there's the one famous or uh, viral clip of viral viral clip of Evan Neal just kind of letting a guy go inside and in a miscommunication between the tight end and the right tackle and, and just Daniel Jones. Obviously, he deserves some of the blame. Like I said, he's not playing good ball at all, making wrong reads and not putting the ball on players' chest. But those players also aren't getting open, and he's also not getting blocked. So it's where does this lie? Um, you saw last year they knew they weren't going to have wider, good wide receivers of separation, but they worked around it. They had Saquon be the engine of that offense. They used motion. They Nine, used, seven, and one. Yeah, and now it feels like they're walking around like they are that true playoff team where they're like, oh, we're just that good. No, you got to go back to your – you 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 aren't that good roster-wise on paper – you're pretty bad, obviously, on the front. Uh, wide receivers aren't good with Jalen Hyatt. Just kind of, what are they doing with him? He has, like, one catch every game. Um, and there's just a lot to go wrong there. The defense is a little good. Kayvon Thibodeau finally had a 
good game, but before that he was arguably the worst D-end uh, in the NFL to start the year. So everywhere, everyone deserves blame, and there can't be any pointing fingers in that locker room. And that Evan Neal quote is just a little weird because we just talked about Alec Boehm. We did. And, and I like when players take blame because at least you know they know it. They know that they're – but now he's saying, you can't comment on how bad I am. Like, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> I, I will right now. Yeah. Like, But at the same time, I do get that frustration that Evan Neal has, obviously. But I think the right way to go about it is I need to play better. And he knows that. He just didn't say it. Before we get back to you, Sam, I want to swing things back over to Justin. Justin, me, me you, and Doc, uh, when we were doing a lot of offsides in the summer – we were talking about running back contracts. Does this prove Saquon's point of the Giants needing Saquon in their pretty much offensive rotation in order to start doing well? Uh, I say yeah. I mean, obviously we knew Saquon, one healthy, is a top three, top five back in the league easily. And it's not even – obviously the comeback that they had against Cardinals, I know Sam talked about it. It shouldn't even be a close game, obviously. We, we know that. But without Saquon being in that game, let's say Saquon was hurt, that week, and he doesn't like he didn't play. The Giants most likely are one of the three teams that have zero wins, and I, I think it's you have to look at it and think. Obviously, they shouldn't have been at that point at all. And it's not just say again. Last year, Saquon was the big key piece. Him staying healthy for a good portion of time gave them the wins that they needed to get to again to the playoffs. They showed up in Minnesota. They they completely took down the Vikings, who kind of exposed them. They, I mean, the Vikings obviously last year had a lot of one-score wins. It was, like, down to the wire. And this Giants team this year, again, they've had a tough break going against these top-notch teams, especially on primetime. I think Daniel Jones is 1-12 in primetime. But, again, again, it's not just Daniel Jones. If if I – let's say anybody in this room – I mean, obviously we play intramural fly full. Doc knows it as well. If, we all, if, we yeah, all we are, the game tonight. Game if you only have yeah. – Doc knows, right? How, if you have only a second to work with, right? How hard is it to get the ball out? Yeah, because right, before this is what I have to explain real quick for the people that don't know, we're all on a flag football team, yep. intramural, and Doc is our quarterback. Um, Locke is pretty much one of our tight ends and defenders, and yep. Sam is our coach. I'm one of the receivers, <laughs> but but it's we have fun. But our first game was a struggle because our offensive line wasn't working. Yeah, I mean it's tough because not only are you looking at the defense, seeing like where is, where is the safety going to go, and yep. obviously. You made the joke about intramural football. It's it's a lot different. I'll tell you that because you know it's <laughs> obviously, obviously yeah. a lot different. But I'm just saying you're worried about your. You got to look at the safety. You got to look at the corners and where they're lined up. Are they lining up on the outside leverage, giving you the in route open over the middle? Instead, now you're worried about what's in front of you, and you're not just worried. Okay, I can look left to right. Now you're like, I got to lock in on one guy, and if he's not open, then I have to stare at my offensive line and see if I even have any more time to throw True. the ball. And it's just so it, much in one yeah. pre- and pretty much you have so much it limits you to one read. You have so many options to think about when, and when you have only two seconds. And so you definitely out of all of us, you have yeah. kind of firsthand experience with that. So, <laughs> so but, yeah. but Sam, I want to go back to you for a quick second because it still seems like you have a lot on your chest that you want to give off about Evan Neal. Yeah, you know, Evan Neal, who I, you know, watching him through training camp struggled here and there. You know, you thought he was going to have his growth struggles. You're a sophomore. I don't even call it a slump because he wasn't the greatest year one. You thought there were going to be improvement. I mean, anything was going to be an improvement from year one. But he got it, had his injured his right ankle during training camp. I believe it was late July when he did that. And he just seemed to be okay 
starting this season, reports were good. But maybe the, his right ankle injury is hurting him still a little bit to, to let play devil's advocate. But read the room. You should not say that. You should say, it was on me. Everyone deserves a blame. And then I believe Xavier McKinney also said something too. I'm not. I'm going to paraphrase what he said. I'm not going to quote it. He said, we don't care what anyone else thinks out there. You're a leader on this team. These are supposed to be leaders on this team who, well, aren't really doing too high. I mean, Look, who's to blame? You guys talked about it. It should be every single member of that organization, not one person. Not one person deserves more. You're absolutely right. I mean, just thinking about it, you, you, it's, it's going back to Alec Bohm, like we were talking about with Doc and myself. I mean, you have to be able to take the blame, own up to it, not really blame anybody else or call anybody out when you're playing bad. you got to own up to your mistake and say that I did something wrong, uh, this was my fault, or I've been playing bad, let me fix it. And work, it, like, let me work on it. And you are a star in a media. I'm not going to say that. That's Kamara. You are in the biggest media market in the world, yeah. in New York City, and playing for the New York Football Giants. And you say a quote like that. Well, let me just tell you. It's the going everywhere. The papers are going to have fun with that tomorrow morning. Exactly. Wall Street will be going crazy. So, uh, Or the New York Times. All I'm going to say, me. though, before you go on is look at same stadium. Look at Zach Wilson. And he's owned up to – his it's mistake the other now, night. Now which, again, he has. Now, now he has. But see, he's learned. Yeah, he's learned. And, and now you only hope that Evan Neal can can you, can do that too. You only hope, but that kind of characteristic should never be in the first place with any athlete. You you say, I, okay, you say, hmm, you know what? Maybe you know that was my fault. Maybe we need to improve. You know, Evan Neal, knowing from sources, though, he he's a very hard worker. He he's in the gym day out and day out, but just it just isn't translating. There's just no other way to put it for him. Yeah. And I want to go back to our little MLB conversation that we had because the Rangers are moving on to the American League Division Series. They win their Rays Wild Card Series 7-1. to So, so far, Sam, you're a fourth right. You're a fourth right with your uh, hot take of every team only going to two games. Doc, what do you want to say? God, guess what, guys? Correa has bases loaded, no outs right now. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> oh, it, it might be Correa's time right now. We're, we're going to keep things here because uh, we need to see I just wanted Correa. to cut. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, just, no, no, no. That's, that's perfectly fine. Just because we've been joking about it. What's, is there a count on it? What's the count? I, I, I'm trying to you know, no get the game up. And, again, we're, you know, sometimes connections goes out a little bit. But I'll, I'll, I'll just Happens. go to the game tracker. It's, it's 1-0. He just put the ball in play. Oh. Single to shallow center. All right. So, got, so we got some RBIs. Uh, maybe, maybe. Everyone tap your wrist. What <laughs> tap time your is wrist. it? Is it Correa's time? <laughs> um, but um, was it just one run or was it? Yeah, one run. Okay. So station to station, still no outs. Cool. All See, right. again, look, don't don't want to send a guy from second to home with no outs like yeah. like the Phillies do. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, so now it's one to zero. Twins now Sam's prediction still on the on the good side right now because it's still the Twins won the first game. Twins are now winning, so it could be Correa's and the Twins' time to go to the American League Division Series, just like the Texas Rangers just did as they beat the Tampa Bay Rays in two games at the Tropicana Field. And the Rays now get another pity flag in Tropicana Field, uh, saying that they made the wild card while only scoring one run. And I want to continue with the football topic, but I want to talk about fantasy football as we are going to bring in our new Wednesday segment here on Offsides as we're going to bring in Waiver Wire Wednesday. We're going to talk about everything you need to know about fantasy this week, uh, the matchups that are coming up this week that you guys need to know in our last 
10, 9 minutes left in our Offsides episode. And uh, last time we were on the air, uh, we mentioned that me and Doc, and Sam is also in this league as well. Doc was what? You were 0-2 at the time? Yeah, you were 0-2. Yeah. And then you pulled away with 187 points in fantasy football this past week and now are 1-3. Are you officially back? I, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> flatter myself here because you know what? Now I'm going to score sixty next week. I'm going to use all my <laughs> points for one win. But let me let me load my lineup and, and let you know who's on my team. Even though we kind of did that. If I can load it first, I'll I'll get it up. For okay, you. I, I got so it now. See who's, so, okay, you got yours. So I at quarterback, I had to start Aiden O'Connell because um, Deshaun Watson. Was out, ruled out, and then Kyler Murray's also my backup. I probably had to get a real backup because I think he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But Derrick Henry, the king is back. The king he, is back. He had he actually. He had a I actually touchdown. saw actually saw him have a block downfield, and 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 tears were coming down my eyes, dude. <laughs> and then I David Montgomery. David Montgomery got me started on Thursday night with thirty four point one. AJ Brown, I mean, oh man, thirty eight point five. DJ Moore twenty had an outcoming. With 27, Mark Andrews had a quiet 25. I'll say that. Cortland Sutton, a solid 11.7. I don't know why I kept the Broncos defense in, but they got me eight. So They were playing the Bears, so that's a fair yeah. point. So. Justin Tucker, four points. Hey, four uh, he, he, points. he has to step up. I got a guy. Well, we'll talk about it in our meetings this week, but <laughs> Justin, Tuck, Justin Tucker's just kicking extra points. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I want to talk about my team for a second. This week, I actually play Sam yeah. this week, so um, we have a little bit of a matchup today we or this week. Uh, Sam's currently updating his lineup. I shouldn't have brought this up because he wouldn't have updated it. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but, um, but Sam, the at least for right now, the win probability for me is fifty-four percent to forty-six. I I think it just changed to fifty-fifty. Really? I actually don't know. We got a heated matchup. Oh, it is fifty-fifty. Cooper Cup's coming back. Cooper Cup's coming Ooh. back, so it's fifty-fifty. Kamara's gonna play the. But name. by eight o'clock, there's a trade that I was made that I made with Chris Gazillo. Oh. <laughs> you <don't>. Another Chris <laughs> Gazillo trade. Is that the, uh, so I made a trade with Chris, and I got uh, Isaiah Pacheco for Jerome Ford and Zay Flowers. So oh. why, why would he do that? Don't ask me. He did it. it. Wasn't he also the same person? I did it because I needed a running back. My running back, my running back two this week was Jarek McKinnon. I had a, I have a ton of people on by this week. I have Rashad White, Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith, Jacob, uh, Jason Myers, and Jerome Ford. All five of yeah. those guys on week five are on bye for me this week. Two of my running backs are on buys, and I, I have to. I had thrown a trade. I was like, I have to use Zay Flowers' probability potential as just a convincing way to get Isaiah Pacheco. But now that week's going to be rough for when both Patrick Mahomes and Pacheco both go down, and I don't have Jerome Ford. So, but yeah. still, I mean. For me, what my team's looking like now, I mean, still have Mahomes, James Conner. I will have Isaiah Pacheco, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who I've been liking at wide receiver too. Uh, I drafted him late in like the 10th or 11th round. Dallas got it. He needs to step up. I mean, talk about a guy that needs to step up who had a lot of production last year. He's ranked, I think, he's ranked 30th out of all tight ends uh, in the National Football League. Jalen Waddle is my flex. Thankfully, I sat him last week, and I was putting in Jerome Ford. 49ers. They, they are projected 4.8 points this week, um, the 49ers defense. I, they play Dallas, but Dallas is mainly reliable on their defense. So I think it all depends on how Brock Purdy plays in order for how their defense plays against the Dallas Cowboys. And then since I had Jason Myers having a bye week, I had to pick up 
uh, Fairbairn from the Houston Texans since C.J. Stroud's going crazy. But, Sam, we got a pretty good matchup going uh, we, we, for Week 5. Yeah, we do, Jack, and I'm actually currently projected to win this week as wow, I'm projected really? to score 117 points, and you're projected to score 115, 115 points. That That's a close that's one. Be, that's before Pacheco, though. So once, Ooh, once Pacheco okay. comes in, I think I'll probably have that little bit of an edge, but it's still going to be around 50-50 for us. So it should be a good week this, five This matchup. will be a close one. You are 4-0. I am 4-0. Maybe I, I will go. I have an 88% chance to make the playoffs, so that's, wow. I'm going to try and keep that for Hopefully sure. Hopefully I make the playoffs, too. Maybe we can have another rematch. Ooh, and I win both of them. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, but wow. we'll see. <laughs> but, um, but Doc, uh, you wanted to say something about fantasy football. I'm not sure where you're going with this, but <laughs> uh, they are writing me off. They're writing you ESPN, off. ESPN. Oh they are. What are they writing you off about? A 41 percent chance to wow. win. Wow. Again, 42 percent. I think chance it's actually because I actually just realized. Tom's team. I just realized. I think it's because I still had Aiden O'Connell in. We'll see. I'm picking up Zach Wilson, by the way. Please, don't, <laughs> please don't try. He's facing Denver. Wow! <laughs> I mean, now team. now I'm fifty fifty, and I'm actually projected one by point five. Wow! I'm back. We're <laughs> Talk back. is back. We're back. We might have to play another. Uh, James Dude, it's either it's either it's either uh, Dobbs or uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, maybe, it's going to be really maybe close. Maybe Sam Howell. I don't know. A point five difference in the projections is wild. So that's really fifty fifty right don't, there. Don't write me oh. off, man. Yeah, it is really close. Also, the Twins, they just got up 2-0 to zero against the Blue Jays as the fourth inning ends. So they were able to tack on two in the bottom of the fourth. It's Five weird. hits, you see the Blue Jays with four, with zero runs. I wanted to say that the before I accidentally cut you off, is that the Blue Jays um, took out Barrios like, early. He, wow. he let up a hit in the okay. start of the fourth inning, and they took him out and put in Kikuchi. Interesting. And Kikuchi obviously let up back-to-back hits as well. So... A little bit of an interesting tag. I know. I mean, backs against the wall. That's their desperate I think. I think the right Phillies there. should do the same tonight, where every arm's available. Um, okay. And but I, I it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see teams with their backs against the wall, see what they do pitching wise. But it also, I think, can kind of like make you lose the game. You almost are overthinking it. Yeah. Uh, he Barrios just allowed one hit to start the inning, and they took him out. So again, look, they tried it. They did get out just two nothing though. So. Luckily for them that it's not game over yet like it was for the Rays. Uh, last thing I just want to touch on, we'll switch it over to you, Locke. Um, for fantasy football, do you have any standout, maybe breakout stars for this week? I mean, just looking at it, C.J. Stroud is on the rise. Tank Dell, he's on the rise because that Texans offense is just absolutely rolling. Um, some of the Falcons guys, they're, they're um, how would I say, their stock is getting kind of lower with Bijan and Kyle Pitts as their offense is starting to struggle. So, do you see any guys um, with with some favorable matchups that might break out in Week Five? Um, I think uh, if I think Josh Dallas probably is going to ball out this week. I think uh, it's a favorable matchup for that. Obviously Stroud. I mean, we know uh, really he's kind of quietly the top five, top tennis quarterback this year. I mean, yeah, Stroud's and, uh, looking really nice. I, mean, I think he is the most uh, either completions or pass attempts without a. Uh, uh, an interception in the NFL career to start. I mean, it's been really solid. Ranked 15th out of all quarterbacks, not doing too bad. His bad. first game was pretty rough with .9 points, but then he picked it up against New York, 25.2. Then he had 17 against Dallas. Not Honestly, that's not bad against Dallas. And then against San Francisco, divisional rival, he scored 23.4, his second highest on the on the year so far. So 
it should be a pretty good matchup for for Dobbs this week. Um, so yeah. hopefully he can step up. I mean, he's projected 18 points this week. True. I mean, running back wise, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin from uh, the Broncos. Uh, Javante Williams went down for them, so he got uh, 38% of the carries last week uh, for Denver, and it's going to be a good spot for him most likely. I mean, I think it's projected for just around 11. So if you need a, a flex or an RB two, maybe McLaughlin is your guy there. Because again, once once you uh, get week four, week five, a lot of guys are not going to switch out uh, favorable matchup, favorable players they've had for three, four weeks that have given them a good amount of points. And those waiver wires could be the difference between you making just yeah. that last spot in the playoffs or being one of the top teams. And I was trying to pick up C.J. Stroud uh, off of waivers this week and take Geno Smith out of my lineup. I'm mm. not going to lie. I was like, I'm, I'm going to take this risk on C.J. Stroud. Are you writing him off? I was writing him off, honestly. Oh, my thing is that it's just over C.J. Stroud. So. No, no, I get it. C.J. Stroud, I mean, he's just balling. And, and honestly, I don't – it almost makes – I got to watch it because uh, obviously I'm not paying attention to too many Texans games because they are playing at a – so I'm not looking in closely like if they were playing on Sunday Night Football type vibe. But – I don't know how he's doing it. Their O line has, I think, seven guys on IR. Like yeah. they, they were, they were like two weeks away from us four getting a call. Like that, <laughs> it's that bad. Like they just put another one on IR t- this morning. Yeah. Like it's it's bad. I feel bad, and they don't have the best weapons anyway. Obviously, they treated Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins stepping up very big, and oh yeah, I have him on one of my fantasy teams in in, in that aspect. But also, obviously, Tank Dell, stud uh, slot receiver. But again, I don't know how he's doing it. But, Man, Richardson and and uh, Richardson and Stroud are kind of looking like I don't want to say it, but like RG three and like Andrew Luck, uh, they might be the best two quarterbacks so far. It's just, look, it's just four weeks though, but yeah. I want to say like they're on pace. I think to kind of have similar production to those two in uh, their rookie seasons. Sam, you had something to say? Yeah, no, you both. I agree with you. You know, maybe not a, a Luck RG three comparison just yet. I would maybe give that comparison week six, week seven. But, you know, if you were to give a offensive rookie of the year, for speaking of C.J. Stroud, then Anthony Richardson, you got to give it to Stroud. Yeah, you ha- you really have to give it to Stroud at this point just because of his production that he's given for the Texans of all teams. Yeah. I mean, they were projected to just not do good at all. Pretty much the same thing. They were pretty much supposed to be in that lottery but, position again. But obviously they're thriving with a 2-2 two and two record right now. Honestly, that's something that is very promising. I know it's 500, but that's something very promising for the Texans. Yeah, no, it is very promising for the Texans. Personally, when I put the Texans and I made my predictions, I had them at seven wins. You can see it. I well, have it written down okay. on a piece of paper. You all can see it after the episode. We can post it <laughs> if you guys anyway, don't believe me out there. Back to fans who have If there's a waiver wire pick that I'm going to pick, can't believe I'm saying this. Zach Wilson. Wow. Okay. He balled out yesterday duck. against. <laughs> you just picked him up in fantasy? Yeah, I told you I had to drop Aiden O'Connell. So oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to start oh. Zach Wilson. Oh. I mean, no, you're going against the Broncos defense who let up 28 points to Justin Field, 70 points to Tua. Look, I, the Jets are going to meet the Broncos this week, and Zach Wilson is going to have a good game, and he's going to lead them to a victory. And if you would have told me two weeks ago that I would be saying this, I would have called you crazy. That's just how things things in the NFL can turn quickly in the National Football League. Yeah, anything can happen in sports, which is why we love talking about sports because literally anything can happen and, and any turnaround can happen 
in a split second. So that will do it for our Wednesday Offsides here on October 4th. It is currently 6.03. You're tuned into Offsides. I'm your host, Jack Miller, joined alongside Aiden Doherty, Sam Prince, and Justin Locke. We thank all of you guys for tuning into our sports podcast called Offsides, and we'll see you guys next week with more baseball talk, more football talk, and more fantasy football talk. Thank you guys for tuning in, and have a great rest of your Wednesday night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.